G'day trail runners. Welcome to the Trail Runners Experience with Ashley Drew and Daniel Ferugia. Put your headphones on, put your shoes on, and let's go running. Oh, a lot of stuff. My glutes, <laughs> my glutes are real sore. <laughs> it's good, it's good, it's a good sore, but it always sounds funny doing a... Yeah, lots of single leg stuff. So it's um, but at least I don't. It's sort of weird. I like I went for a jog last night just to to sort of loosen the legs up, and uh, after the gym, and it was sort of, it was so good because it was like I could feel myself getting really tight, but um, today I feel a little bit sore and just like a like a a deep fatigue. So yes, uh, yep. so it's it's okay though. It's a good. Uh, it's in the. It's like not unmanageable i know because i've only been going back to the gym for a couple of weeks and so it's um it, it definitely in a few weeks my body will adapt a bit more but yeah so moving all right so we're um we're into it we're into this latest episode of the trail runners experience and so i suppose we should start casting this pod so to speak <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah i don't even know what number it is 50 something I'll, um, I could probably look it up, but does it really matter at this point? No, it, it really doesn't. It's just uh, it's great. It's bigger than a great chat that other people seem to want to listen to. So yeah, uh, I'm happy with it, that. It's episode um, somewhere between one and a million. We'll say that. And um, perfect. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's all good. No, and how how are you going, my friend, with with treatment and running? Uh, look, so treatment. Uh, Thursday, I had treatment Thursday, and um, yeah, that that just it knocks you around. There's no doubt about it. So it it knocked me around, and uh, I, look, I went out for a run Saturday afternoon, which is about it's almost 48 hours post treatment, and look, I felt I felt good, you know, like my body felt good, and I went, yeah, I can get a run in today, and uh, so I headed out the door, and I'm like. All right, excellent. I'm feeling like I just felt the right way. Started running it. My heart rate just went through the roof. I was, all of a sudden, so I raced at about 173 to 176 heart rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when my heart rate's working properly. And my heart rate went straight to 183. And it was just wow. like, whoa, that is not right. So I walked for a little bit and then I went, uh, look, maybe there's just a, you know, I just need to run. I'll try it again. So I ran again, and bang, it just went straight back up there. And so uh, went rightio. Obviously, my body is not feeling the way I think it's feeling. Um, yeah. It's certainly walking, it felt all right. Uh, and sitting down, I felt good. So basically, um, I just walked it out and went rightio. Well, this is going to take a bit longer than I anticipated. Yeah. So, uh, so that was all right. So Sunday morning, I went out for a run, and I definitely felt way better than the night before. And then Monday, I went out. Uh, oh, and I met up with uh, with a nine year old who um, was on his long run. So he was doing a thirteen k long run with his dad, and uh, I'm going to call him Indy Gonzalez from now on. Yeah. We would come to a hill, and Indy would just take off. It's like whoa, like you know, we're we're sitting at a reasonable clip here, and he would just 
go as a nine-year-old. So um, wow. anyway, uh, finally, after 11 Ks of hanging out with them, I went, no, nah, look, I just, I, I just need to go off by myself now because Indy's going to break me. And um, so I did that, and uh, I felt pretty good. I got in 20 K. Wow. Um, and then, what day, sorry, what day was that? That was Sunday morning. Sunday, So yep. it's about 12 hours later, so it's amazing what 12 hours can do out of yeah. your sleep. And then um, Monday I felt better again, and then this morning I felt pretty normal. So, um, yeah, so it does, it takes a good four or five days for me to get past treatment. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, first of all, it's physical pain, like this, because the injection is uh, a very uncomfortable injection that becomes more and more painful uh, for several hours after treatment's finished. The pain level just keeps increasing. Um, mm. And so that stops you because of the pain. But then the pain subsides and it's just your body just doesn't react the way you would think it would or it would normally react, you know, when you get up and exercise. It just goes, no way, like, I need a lot longer to recover. And you've got to respect that and do it, you know, but... Well, I was just wondering, like, if you weren't running, you know, what would this treatment feel like? You know what I mean? Would it feel how much worse would it feel? I imagine it would feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. I I know that if I I know that on the on the day of treatment, if I don't run that morning, treatment is a lot more painful. Mm. Um, like physically painful. It's a, it's significantly more physically painful and uncomfortable. So I know that I need to run like that morning bef- just before I have treatment. Uh, I don't know why that is. I couldn't explain that to you. I, I, I've tried both, and um, now I make sure that I run just before I have treatment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, I don't know what's happening there. but it, it, It's good. I mean, it's good that you do it, and I just think that it just shows, look, it's. I don't think it's um, a miracle. I mean, I do in a sense. You're a bit of a bloody miracle, mate, but, like, just the um, – I think that there's no, there's definitely the positive impacts of the running on you. I know, like, from a science base, I'm sure there is science. I don't know the science. But just, you know, like, you're, anecdotally, like, the fact that you're still cranking the, the miles, and I, it's, it's having a positive impact. You've, and you've done it, you've run a, a shitload already this year, and, you know, and you've got the treatment going on. You've done, we're only um, just over halfway through Feb, through February, and you're, you've done like 900 kilometres already. And, um, you know, which is, I've done, just done 500 kilometres. Just, just so everyone knows, that's 900 kilometres this year, not this month. Yeah, this year. yeah, this year. It's still a lot. It's still a lot. It's, it's got, it says your average weekly distance. I'm just looking at, um, comparing our Stravas, not, to, but just sort of more just to highlight the fact that, you know, by all common thinking, you should be laying in a bed, you know, but you've done your average weekly distance is 150 kilometers. And uh, so, you know, you, you know, that's not as much time laying in a, in a bed as, as, uh, as sort of you, people would think, you know, like, so you, cause you're just getting shit done and that's, I, I love it. And so, and then I, I received a nice message saying how inspirational our podcast was. 
um, on the Facebook page, um, a lovely lady who I am going to give her a shout out because it was a really nice, I haven't responded, she left a review and um, we like reviews and but and uh, her, the lady's name, I'm just pulling it up, The um, just loading up and, and it was, she wrote, oh we've got loads of nice reviews which is really um, well, that's quite excellent. touching. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just saying how inspiring uh, it was. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Yeah, lady wrote, just love your podcast, inspiring, and that was uh, Megan Elizabeth, who you know, like the fact that someone's felt compelled to write, yeah, compelled to write a really lovely little message like that, just is um, it's touching, you know, and obviously, so yeah, thanks, and um, yeah, keep them coming, (laughs) and um, you know, stroke our egos, please. So, um, yeah, <laughs> no, but, um, and so do you have any, um, running targets the next couple of weeks, any more multiple marathons? Uh, no, nothing in particular. Um, I'll just build back up cause I think I'm only about 90 Ks, uh, in the last seven days cause I injured my ankle when I rolled it. So, um, lazy, You're lazy been, really. Ash. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been playing. <laughs> So on Sunday, I tried to run untaped, and at about 18Ks, that was not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so I've retaped my foot, less, much less structurally than I had it before, but just enough to to restrict the movement of my uh, to extri- restrict extreme movement of my ankle, and yep. um, that's definitely helped a lot. It's taken a lot of the pain out of it, so I'm able to to do the Ks, and then I'll just do a heap more balancing work um, to rebuild the strength, which, you know, you have to after you've done something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think that'll come along nicely, and then I'll just, you know, build back up a bit. And um, Macca's run's coming along. I've got all the permissions now from Ronald McDonald House. So mm-hmm. you have to get uh, – when, when you're raising money for charities like that, you have to get their official – permissions and I now have those documents in my possession which is excellent and um, I've got a couple of uh, friends working on uh, the wording and stuff and then I'll publish all that online. I I sent it through to AAA Racing the other day just out of courtesy uh, and next thing it was on their website so I've had a few inquiries already. Wow. Um, I wasn't planning on it going onto their website quite yet but it is only six weeks away um, cost nothing to come and do it, and if you can't do it with us, then uh, look, run from Maccas to yeah. Maccas in your own hometown, and um, make a donation to Ronald McDonald House. You can do that at any McDonald's stores. I'm not promoting McDonald's here, but I'm definitely promoting Ronald McDonald House, um, yeah. who look after very sick kids. Um, I was honestly horrified this week with the stats that have come out on childhood cancer increasing by 34% in Australia over the last 12 years. I may have those stats wrong. Either way, childhood mm. cancer is increasing in Australia, and that's um, downright scary, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, it's one thing for me to get cancer, you know, I'm 40-something. Um, you know, middle age, I've got to live a bit of a life, but kids suffering cancer when they've, you know, oh, only just starting, it's just really, that breaks my heart. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's um, it's horrible. So yeah. So, um, so people can keep an ear out for the McDonald's or the Macca's run. Yeah. I'll, I'll, look, run. I'll make sure it goes out on our um 
our combined web page, our no, Facebook page. Facebook page, yeah. And um, it'll go out my personal one, of course. I'll make sure it goes out on Insta. And then uh, it's already on Ronald McDonald House's website. Cool. Um, and, yeah, we'll just get some people along and go for a, go for a nice run. Should be fun. You, you don't have to do the whole thing yourself. You can make a team come along. And it's a very good cause. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well done. Yeah. And so, so what about um, yourself? So, yeah, my, my, uh, my training week was all right. I'm pretty happy with it, actually. It was, um, so what did I do? I did it, had an 85K week, and that was with an unscheduled rest day because, um, because on Saturday we had a life got in the way. We, we're doing some renovating out the back. We're doing a bit of a uh, backyard blitz and putting in, been doing a bunch of stuff and it spent all day on Saturday with the intention of going for a nice big long run, but, um, ended up doing all this work and cutting things and hammering and, 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 um, by the afternoon I was, I was tired, very, you know, just physically exhausted and had a nap. So I thought, you know, I'll just leave it out. So, um, I ran 32 kilometers on Sunday morning, which it was nice. a pretty, a nice flat, steady run. Um, progressively got a little bit faster, but didn't push. Um, the idea I just wanted, I'm still really working on just getting some nice endurance at a reasonable pace, but not, not going crazy. So the, um, average pace was 544, but definitely my back, my second half was a little bit quicker. Um, felt like I had a lot more in the tank. I thought I, I could easily have progressed up to the marathon distance, but I'm, I just, I'm trying to keep the big picture in mind. And that was on the back of, so I'm really pleased with that. It wasn't a huge, I wasn't really hugely focusing on elevation this week um, because I really just want to get the legs ticking. And um, what I do, I had a, oh, just a couple of easy runs on um, oh, one of the mornings. I got, I've been getting up a bit early like like yourself and I, I did a, a beautiful 17K run. The weather, the morning weather has been so nice here and just getting up in the dark and going up on the trails around Black Hill. I did 17 Ks with quite a bit of elevation. It was uh, just 750 meters elevation. It just felt good. Like my, all my runs this week felt really good and it was so, it was such a nice feeling. Um, it is a beautiful feeling, isn't it? When everything sort of clicks together for a week at a, at a time. Yeah. And so, in the, if, so the way I look at it, even though I wanted to do probably another 20 on Saturday, I think, Big picture, it was probably a, a good idea that I had a little rest. My body obviously needed it, and I didn't want to. And because I am doing gym stuff again, I've got to be sort of take that into consideration with my training load. And it's um, that it doesn't exist in a bubble separate from my running. It's definitely influences my running, but also has to influence my recovery. And um, it's you know I did a like as Tuesday, I usually do a pretty hard workout like running wise. So like last week, I think I mentioned I did the Michigan or most of the Michigan workout, which is the one that we talked about with Andre and the boy. And, yep. it, and, um, it was a lot of fun. It was a very, um, it's kind of a complicated workout though. And luckily I had it all programmed into my watch thanks to the V dot app. And, um, but it was, um, so it's changing, you're going from all these marathon pace to threshold pace to easy pace for various times and minutes. And it was even with the watch it was hard to keep track. But it was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was um so and I, it was a pretty brutal workout, and I really felt that the next day. Um, but I was still able to um to back up, you know, and do all right. And so, like I say, eighty five kilometers for the week, 
And so this week, which is equates to, it was about eight hours and 20 minutes of training. I'm really looking at getting up to about 10 to 12 hours a week um, over the next few months, which will get me well over 100 kilometres. And um, I think that's where I want to sit for a while. Really, I'm still focusing on a little bit of speed to um, get the legs turning over. And then as I get closer to the miler, do more a bit more climbing, a bit more um, – I just like to keep things varied. And, like, this was a really varied week. I ran at lots of different paces, and um, they all felt – and I think that is why I don't feel too bad this week. You know, so some runs where I was running slower than six minutes per kilometre, some runs where I was running faster than five minutes per kilometre. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So, yeah, I could not be happier with where things are. And we've got a nice cool week coming up this week, so the weather's not going to get above 25 degrees, which is glorious. And um, so can actually... that temperature when I went running this morning at 4 a.m.? Yeah. We are... Uh, don't worry. And 90% uh, humidity. Yeah, it's gross. Don't worry. <laughs> I know how hashtag blessed we are right now. Although, the, I think <laughs> we had a little bit of rain. Yeah, we had a bit of rain, and um, so it might get a bit humid, but... um. No, I'm I'm actually looking forward to autumn very much, and I'm sure you are as well. But, Gee, you betcha. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's um, something else. Um, but yeah, so that's my training week, and we um, so you know it's moving forwards with the next thing, um, which is not going to be too far away because we're, you know, in the next. So basically, by the end of Feb- February, I hope to be really knocking out some hundred k weeks, hundred plus kilometre weeks. Um, how good is um, the Coaches Roundtable Facebook group going, eh? That's brilliant. Yeah, really yeah. good. Um, so if, you, if you're surprising. listening to this and you don't know about it, you should definitely join up. So, Yeah. Um, coach, is it, have you got it down as Coaching Roundtable? Um, I think coach I tried to cut... Roundtable. I think, the, I, think anyway. I deliberately kept it as simple as possible. I will tell you right this minute. Um... But yeah, no, it's really good. We've had a lot of people join the group and people from my circle of runners, your circle of runners, you know, um, and Isabel Ross's circle of runners and then people who I don't even know. So it's um, it's really good. It's just called Coaching yep. Roundtable. Coaching Roundtable, perfect. Yeah, and I made up a crude bit of uh, art for the... Well, I like the your top. crude bit of art. It works. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. It's a job. It does. And... Um, so we we will be putting questions on there, key questions that we do with our episode with Isabel, um, which we'll be doing every month. But we may put in more questions. Feel free to throw a question. Well, at I, I'm going to throw a question now because I'm going to I'm going to put it on there later. Um, yep. And, and that question is: mm-hmm. After running your very first event, whatever that event was, what would be the advice? The single. You're only allowed to give one piece of advice, not sixteen, just one that you would give to yourself as a pre-event runner? So your first, so, for your first, first race? Yeah, your first race, whatever that was. Or, you know, mate, mate, look, let's go first or second. But if you could I'll go say, back in time yep. and tell yourself one mm-hmm. thing, just one, what would that be? <clears throat> All right. Can I answer it now? Absolutely. Um, you can answer it now. So can we go just to make it first, like, are we going back to, like, first Cross country race when we were a kid, or are we talking first like oh. ultra? Or are we going? No, I, was, I was thinking first ultra, but you know. Okay, well, no, we'll go first ultra. Otherwise, it gets too crazy. Um, 
So, well, um, my oh, my first bit of advice for myself, if I went back, my first ultra, 56-kilometre Eurobilla um, here in South Australia, 2013, was, I would say, um, don't go so fast at the start. You know, that first, especially that first 10 kilometres. That's my yeah. advice. And I'll throw the question back at you. Because I, I remember I absolutely, I was killing it in those first 10Ks because I'd come from doing a fair bit of road running. And I, I, um, I can honestly say I absolutely got smashed in the back half of the race. Like, I still finished with a reasonable time. But I think if I had a, I just didn't, didn't pace myself even close to properly. You know, so slow down, Ferrugia, from from seven years ago. <laughs> um, Ashley, what would you give you? What would you say to Ashley from way back when? All right. So my first ultra, I remember I hit maybe fifty or fifty-five k's into that that ultra, and um, I just started cramping so badly. Yeah. So bad. The the cramping pain is just something else. That sharp pain where all of a sudden you you know you you're trying to lift your leg up and kind of hop along and you're putting mm. your toe down and then you get this this firing of hot pain running down your legs um yeah so my my advice up until then I hadn't been consuming any sort of electrolyte drink yeah. or any sort of sodium yeah. um or you know a salt balance and um, my advice would be that once you go beyond a marathon in a hot, and it was a hot race, mm. you are sweating so much that your salt balance goes completely out of whack and you yeah. need to actually consume salt. Um, I started consuming salt. I, I, got, I think I got to an aid station. I said, have you got salt? I need salt. And the guy goes, yeah. And I, I literally poured a line of of uh, iodized salt <laughs> down my arm, yeah. and then this is going to be gross for everybody who hasn't done an ultra. But I actually it. then slowly but surely licked that salt off my arm over the next ten k's. Yep. While consuming liquids, because you can't, you cannot take a large dose of salt into your gut. It makes you very violently ill. So did did you then slowly. have a um some, a shot of tequila and then some lemon? Oh, man, I had at that point in time. might have knocked out the pain. Yes, that that would be my piece of advice, is is just understanding that once you go long in a hot race, Mm. things that you've never experienced before are going to go out of whack. Um, Just need to be prepared for it. Very good point. Um, Just one, how far was that particular race? Was it 100Ks? Uh, 84 that race oh okay that's a, an yeah. unusual distance i like that distance. Hey, look it's it's mm. yeah it's it is an unusual distance because it's um i think it's one of the oldest ultras mm. in australia it's been going for 36 or 37 years so um trail ultras that is so yeah mm. um, great race <laughs> nine hours nine minutes i think so, great um yeah Oh, fantastic. All right. So, yeah, well, actually, that will go on there. You'll post that and then people can answer away. And if they, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Um, and obviously we'll have more questions when we have our next big, um, chat with Isabel in a, 
in yep. a week or two. Um, the uh, oh, I've got a, a sh- before we jump into our episode with um, today's guest, which is uh, who is Chris Ord. I've got a little um, Chris Ord being um, some people will know his name. He was the the founder of Trail Run Magazine. Um, anyway, we'll go into that. You'll you'll learn about him in a second, and you know he's race director extraordinaire. I have a shout out to give to a race that I. Um, so it is the Three Peaks Mountain Race has been showcasing the hills and trails of Dunedin in New Zealand, which is you know as you all know I love it now I want to move to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> since this is since 1984, this year March. On March 29, for the first time, there will be a 52-kilometre event, as well as the traditional 26 and 11K events. These are all point-to-point races that start and finish near the centre of town in Dunedin. Is this an ad that they're going to fly you out to race? They're going to fly me out, yeah, and they're giving me millions of dollars for it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) This is a a paid – no, it's not paid. They did offer me a – One could wish, wouldn't they? I know. I wish I could travel around. Oh, but I did. I said, I'll I'll tell you the the the, the genesis of this in a second. Um, so it's mostly a single track with some lush native forest and beautiful views of Dunedin City and the harbour. Late entry fee for the 52 kilometre kicks in on February 29th. Ooh, that's not far away. So yep. check it out. on go to www. Three Peaks, not the number three, but the the words three peaks and dot co dot nz bro, no bro at the end, and um, <laughs> check check out their Facebook page. Um, so what I was going to say, so Steve Tripp is um, the gentleman who put me onto this. He is uh, a bloke I met over in when I was doing the Ultra Easy, and yep. he was he was I think he's in his fifties, and he is an absolute gun runner. He, um, he, like I ran with him quite a bit in the ultra easy and we, you know, as you do when you bond with people, when you end up running with them for a while and, you um, definitely do. It's, it's like having yeah. six months of friendship in two hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's all condensed. And so Steve, he organizes a few races and helps, I think he helps with the three peaks one. And, um, but he's definitely, um, he's got a race, which I'll give a quick shout out to called crush the cargo, which is the, the, it's a 24-hour race where they run basically up and down this this mountain, which is not a huge mountain. I think it's about five or six hundred meters elevation, but they just you got to run up and down it as many times as you can in 24 hours. So it's like a 24-hour a, a race with a difference, and the winner is the person with the most elevation. Um, so yeah, so Steve he emailed me this and asked me to give it a shout out. So. Was more than I'm more than happy to give it a shout out, and um, so yeah. So if you if you think, look, I'm going to go to New Zealand next month anyway. Why not? Why not, <laughs> why not? just go and why do not? a race? And look, it's not until the end of March, so you still got time, and it's beautiful. Seriously, you could find the crappiest part of New Zealand, and it would still be one of the most beautiful places in the world that you've been to. I bloody love the place, and so. I anyway, that's enough about New Zealand, and <laughs> I'm just um, yeah, I I'm just I would like to go over, but unfortunately it's a little bit soon for for me to get there. Um, and 
unless someone wants to sponsor me and fly me over. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess that's Air New Zealand. That. There's a shout out for you. Air New Zealand, yeah, I've never been on an Air New Zealand plane. Um, but um, the uh, so yeah, Chris, Chris Ord today. Can tell us who, uh, just can you give us a bit more of a rundown of who he is without no spoilers, please, Ashley. Uh, so Chris Ord is a bit of a crazy adventurer who discovered running. Uh, he's a journalist, and um, he uh, he takes people running all around the world. So on on literally on running adventures. So and we're we're talking five star running adventures. We're not talking, mm. you know, pack your bag and we're gonna sleep in the gutter tonight because we're going to run another 80k tomorrow we're talking yeah run a marathon tomorrow but let's let's live it up tonight so mm-hmm. uh without partying all night so that, that's that's chris ord he's a great guy um loves a chat so he's perfect for a excellent cast yeah no he was good to talk to and um so no it's really good and and he is also the rd or the race director behind um a little race that was over the weekend called Oscars Hut to Hut. And so I know that there's some South Australian runners who were involved with that. And um, it looks like a pretty tough race. And also, I think there's a 50K version of it too called the Archie. And um, so that and that doesn't look that easy either. But, you know, no, none of it I, looks easy. You look at yeah. the profiles online, it's not a... That's not an easy course. We, but us trail runners, we love a challenge. We love, it's not a challenge, it's just an adventure. Correct. Um, yeah, as as you will find out with Chris in this episode. So yeah, I guess that's it, Ashley. Yeah, enough talking. Let's cut to the let's cut to the interview. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Certainly can. Beauty. And you, your voice doesn't sound that that husky. How many awards did you get at the Oscars? How many awards? Oh no, awards. I'm I'm the race director, so I don't get awards. I just hand them out. <laughs> you just hand them out. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, no, but it's a it's a long week. Oscars, it's um it's a pretty big event. So uh, yeah, it takes it out of you. <laughs> takes it out of you. Oh, g'day, Chris. I'm enough. Daniel. Nice hey, to Daniel. meet you. Likewise, thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So you um, so you're RD at at um Oscars Hut to Hut, are you? Correct. Oh, mate. Yes. Big weekend. Uh, yeah, big week. We get up there the Saturday prior and um, and have to go and uh, course mark and, and then get into the logistics. And this year we had a whole whole bunch of things that sort of happened in terms of being kicked off the big ridge because of the fires and then um, that sort of creates a whole bunch of logistical challenges, shall we say, um, in terms of re, you know, redoing all, you know, cut-off times and sweep, you know, logistics, all that sort of stuff that, that happens in a big wilderness event. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it, it created a, a pretty big week for us. We're there from the Saturday beforehand, and then you, you go into the event Thursday night briefing and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's, um, I think, the last four days it was maybe six or seven hours sleep. So it was a it was a big um, a big week. Jesus, yeah, I don't know. Some, never... some of those things are challenging. I remember years back I was involved in uh, organising an event, not running. But um, on the M1, we had an accident, and it meant that the teams who were travelling from Brisbane down to the Gold Coast to compete in this championship event just weren't coming. Yeah. Um, it had completely blocked the, the highway. Plus, we had the, um, 
um, uh, what's it called, the V8 racing on at the same time. So, you know, the highway was packed with people oh, going wow. to the V8 racing. And, yeah, we almost moved to cancelling the entire event and moving it from Saturday to Monday. Wow. Um, yeah, that's huge. <laughs> it, got, it got within a couple of minutes of making that decision, and then we yeah, went, cool. no, we'll just delay the entire thing by three hours. So, yeah, yeah made a long day. Yeah, it's fun games, but, um, you know, all, all worth it. You know, we still raise good money for charity and, and everybody there. It's Oscars is a pretty special event, actually, just in terms of the... It's one of those those events that changes people's lives, the people who do it, um, especially the three days. We have a one, two and a three day kind of version of it. And, um, you know, at the one day people, you know, they're all the athletes doing their thing, but then the three day people are the ones who sort of do it. And they're the ones who think they can't do it, but they, they take it on anyway and they end up um, achieving something they thought they'd never do. And pretty much it's eight out of ten people who cross the line on Sunday are in tears, which is um, what we like. <laughs> and not, not, not tears of pain, but tears of... Of you know, wow, this really means you know that much to them, and we end up usually in tears as well. So it's all good. So oh, Chris, I'm can sure you the same. thank God it's over too? Can you explain? <laughs> oh, can you explain what the um, the charity is that you support for Oscars? It's got to do with um, autism spectrum disorder, doesn't it? Yeah, correct. So Oscars 100 is actually a uh, is a charity. Um, run by a couple called uh, Andy and Michelle Payne, and and they he was running around doing 100 kilometre sort of challenges and, and raising money himself, just you know friends and whatnot sponsoring him. But he got to the point where he he needed to uh, he, he created this charity and he needed to figure out what well, it needs to hang its hat on something other than him just running 100k <laughs> here there and everywhere. So anyway, I was guiding him on a run, um, you know, through one of the Tour de Trails things. Uh, I was guiding him around a run at the back of lawn here and. We got talking and, and I, at that time I'd been planning um, what is the, the current Hut to Hut course. I'd been planning to do a tour around that to use it as, a, as one of my trail run tours. And I'd been yep. out uh, and doing the logistics on it and running around it. And, and I, I sort of half jokingly said, oh, you should use, you know, Oscars. Uh, sorry, you should use the, um, the Alpine uh, tour that I've got planned as, as an event. But I was joking because the logistics of doing it as a tour, you know, with 12 or 13 people, you know, and a couple of four drives is one thing, but doing it for hundreds of people is insane, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, yeah, so we, um, anyway, I took him, took him for a run and he was like, yeah, oh, that, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe we should use that as an event. And I said, look, mate, I was joking. The logistics are too, they're too extreme. Like they're, you know, they're, they're bigger logistics than UTA, you know, it's, it's just not possible. And anyway, he said, no, no, let's go and have a look at it. So we took him for a run on the course. He rolled his ankle, I think. You know, two kilometres down four mile and, and I thought great that's oh. it he's going to say no this is, this is too hard and he looked over the view and he kind of went this is amazing yep we're doing it I said no nah, we're not <laughs> I said it's too hard mate I'll, I'll help you get an event up but we've got to do it somewhere else and um, he's like no no so we took him and then I eventually we, even though he rolled his ankle we, we got him up onto uh, the ridge line so there's a 20k section of just you know big mountain remote wilderness sort of ridge lines up there and um we took him across that. He limped across it because he'd done his ankle. Uh, and yeah, on the third night, you know, we're camping down in, in what is one of our checkpoints now. And, um, and he was like, no, nah, we're, we're making this happen by hook or crook. And I said, all right. And my, my only caveat that was, was that we get in, you know, the best safety people we can because I didn't want to RD a, an event that was so wild and dangerous, um, without it. So he, he acquiesced to that and said, yep, no worries. Oh, well, let's, you know, he very much wants to do things properly. So. Um, with that in play, uh, we, we set about, you know, creating this event. So this year was the fourth year, so next year will be our fifth. And 
Uh, we raise money yeah, for autism. So Andy and Michelle's two sons um, live with uh, autism and um, they basically the way we do it is they have two charities, Irabina and Mansfield Autism Services, who um, run the actual, any actual programs, but they apply to, I guess, Oscars 100 and, and the money raised through the event to say, well, we need a car or we need iPads or we need whatever. Um, and Michelle and Andy make the assessment on that and say, yep, okay, so they don't just sort of hand out money willy-nilly, it's, it goes towards particular programs yep. um, and, and programs that really make a huge difference. So we had, uh, for the last four years, our top fundraisers, um, a team called the Bendigo Boys, you know, this year they raised 13000 bucks just by themselves. Um, wow. You know, they, one of those guys is a youth worker in Bendigo and, uh, sorry, the, the Bendigo Boys, not the Ballarat Boys, Bendigo Boys, and... Um, yeah, they, they, um, he's out there doing his work as, as a youth worker and, and he came up this year at presentation, at, at registration and sort of told a story about how he had become involved with one family and, and living with autism and, and they needed to see someone, you know, a, um, one of the social workers and the only way they could do that was literally because um, the money that had been raised through the event had paid for a car for Mansfield Autism who looks after all of rural Victoria um, and that enabled that charity to be able to get one of their counsellors out to the family that Trav, you know, had kind of been uh, working with. Um, and that wouldn't have been possible without uh, the money raised through Oscars 100. So, so it, it makes a very real and direct impact. Um, and, yeah. and people, look, you know, I have um, two of the trials puts on five different trail running events and um, I love them all. And they're all fun and frivolous and, and we have good fun putting them on. But that particular event absolutely, you know, far and away means the most just in terms of, of that real emotional connection. And, you know, I was saying to some other people this year, I had photographers coming up to me and, and, and supporters and volunteers and they'd all say the same thing was they said they've, they've been to you know hundreds of trail running events, but they've never, ever felt a vibe or an energy or, a, or an emotion like they feel at, at the Oscars finishing line. And it's And it's very, very true. You know, anyone who comes along is becomes part of this kind of enlarged family um, and and that's not just you know trite saying that that's they actually do feel that and it's and it's an amazing thing that sort of really brings together this community um, you know around it and you know we explain the whole autism side of things and part of the concept behind it is that we it's it's like Australia's hardest 100k run right you know on, on paper it's 100% hardest um, trail run there is in the 100k zone and um, but, you know, and that's a bit of a chest-beating kind of thing, really. But the idea is that we want people to be uncomfortable out there because those living with autism, you know, feel uncomfortable, um, you know, in social settings and, and, and with, the, with just every, everyday things that we take for granted, they feel challenged, you know, they feel uncomfortable and they live with that um, every waking moment. Um, so when people are out there on the Oscars course and they want to give up or it's too hard or they, they, you know, they feel challenged, they feel out of their comfort zone, we're kind of telling them that's where we want you to be. We want you to get some connection and, and understanding of what people with autism um, you know, live with um, and, and once you have a connection to them, you have a much better understanding and, and empathy um, for those people and, and that's the connections you know, that we want to build because they're, they're so important. So... Yeah. Um, you know, we all love trail running, mountains, adventure. Um, we also get to make a huge impact and, and create a bridge um, between between all of us and, and people living with autism and, and therefore make them way more part of the community as well as obviously the fundraising, helping them out. 
So yeah, that's fantastic. You've, so you've created like this amazing, um, or with obviously your team, you've created this this incredible event that has a that's not only super challenging but super, um, you know, altruistic. I suppose you could say. Um, like, so that's a. I mean, I know there's a few because I'm I'm in uh, in Adelaide, and there's quite a few South Australian runners. Or when I say quite a few, a few South Australian runners that I know have gone over there religiously, um, pretty much in the last couple of years and um I know you probably remember last year I think Robbie and Sarah Yeah yeah we married them up on top they, of the they, yeah, yeah they got they're, married they're wonderful yeah. People. Yep. yeah yeah that was yeah. um we we became quite good friends with Robbie and Sarah and, and obviously uh when that was kind of prompted by us that we were sort of saying, When are you getting married? and I was like, Oh yeah we will and we were like uh, one of our other assistant race directors, Simon Madden, actually has his um, celebrancy license. So we were like, we we hatched a plan basically, and we sort of said to them, "Hey, we reckon we can marry marry you on top of speculation. What do you think?" Um, and they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." We're like, "Great!" And yeah. so, as well as being Australia's hardest hundred, we also like to think of Oscars as Australia's most romantic ultra because we've had those guys <laughs> married on top of speculation. We had. Uh, another couple in the in the previous year um, got engaged, so he dropped to his knee on top of Mount Speculation as well. Um, <laughs> we had one of our medics and a, a guy who's actually woven into the fabric of Oscars, a guy called Shane Hutton, a bit of an adventure runner. He would come up and he actually ran the initial recce with me on that um, after running the length of Tasmania. Um, within eight hours, he was running around the, the Oscars course with me wrecking it for the, what was then going to be a tour. Um, anyway, Shane comes up, has come up for the last um, three years and helped, and he met um, his current partner, Jackie. Um, she was one of the medics, um, and they are now, you know, happily in love and, you know, bought a farm down in Tassie together. So we have all these these beautiful romantic things that have come out of this big harsh event. So it's it's Australia's hardest ultra, but it's also Australia's most romantic and correct, Robbie and um, and Sarah, yeah. who were there again this year. Um, you know, they were yeah. both both running there. She, she, she ran really well this, this year, and Robbie got across the line with plenty of emotion as well, and, and we love seeing those yeah. guys every year. Yeah, they're an emotional couple. They're, I've, I've um, run with them and against them uh, numerous times, and, yeah, they 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 go on in a good way. They they bang on about Oscars a lot, which is really good. So, yeah. um, no. Yeah, they're absolutely part of the family. I mean, everyone who does Oscars once or five times, you know, are part of the family, but Robbie and Sarah are very much part of the inner family. They're, they're um, definitely part of it. They're, they're amazing uh, people. Lovely, lovely. Well, shout out to Robbie and Sarah Wickham. I'm sure they, um, I know Sarah listens to the podcast sometimes. So, um, well, that's good. Um, I definitely, it's an event that I, it looks pretty tough. I was just looking at the elevation profile and it looks tough, but I know elevation profiles can be deceiving because what happens under your feet can be a lot harder than what is on the profile. What other, what sort of, Going into a few little specifics, because I'm really interested, and I, I'm pretty sure Ashley would be too. Um, what makes it so much harder than other races? You know, like I, I know there's a lot of climbing and and stuff. Is it the terrain? Like, is it bush bashing? Yeah, a bit. Of, look, a bit of both. Um, it, it's it's difficult because early on, you know, the first thirty odd k's, yeah, you, you know, you're off something called four mile, which is really technical. 
um, you're not bush bashing. I mean, it's, it's sort of single track that we've sort of reopened, I guess. You know, where the first year we went down and it was completely closed off. And over the years we've reopened it, so it's a little bit better than it was in the first year. I remember the first year we, we literally, one section was just bush and we just couldn't clear it. So we put a pink rope through it and just said, follow it, you know, put your hand on the rope and follow it through. It was that thick. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's thankfully now a single track. Um, but yeah, so look, you come down four mile, but you've got, you know, that's a, that's a oh, 10k drop. Right, of just constant down, 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 quite technical in sections. Um, you hit a river and, and then you got a little bit of um, leeway for a few K, but then you just go up something called eight mile and it just, it's relentless. It just goes up, 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 up. You get something called refrigerator gap. Uh, you get about, you know, 20 meters of respite. Um, and then you go up, 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 literally something you think you're going to have to rock climb up um, onto something called the bluff. So, you know, you've got all that in the, in the like early, early stage after summoning Buller, Buller as well, just from the village. And and then even from Bluff Hut across to Lovix, which is the first kind of major stopover for those stopping over, um, it's still up again, you know, um, and that's on a four-wheel drive um, track there, but it's pretty rough. And then past Lovix, yeah, as you say, it's, it gets really technical. It, it gets onto something called the Australian Alpine Walking Trail and um, Walking Track and... It's, uh, yeah, it's just brutal. It's unrelenting. It's up, down, up, down. And then there's sections that are nearly pretty much, you know, there's something called Mount Buggery and it's named that for a reason. <laughs> um, going up that is just unrelenting. Um, and as you get close to something called Mount Speculation, which is the furthest north on this, this particular ridgeline, it just gets tougher and tougher. There's bush bashing, things are scratching you, things are tearing at you. Um, and yeah, un- underfoot, it can get really, really technical. Um, then off the back of that, you've got a, a little bit of, again, respite, um, in about an 8k of four-wheel drive track. But even that, underfoot, it's, it's really rocky. So it's not like just smooth, okay, I can switch off and have a bit of a, a mental break now. You're still thinking the whole way. Um, and then again, down something called Muesli. Is it, is uh, it like running on ball bearings in that part? Uh, probably, yeah, like big ball bearings, like, and sharp ball bearings. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's just, it's a funny thing. I mean, you can run it, but it's, you can still easily roll your ankle in that section, even though you're on double track. Um, so it's, I think, look, to encapsulate, it's probably just because it's unrelenting. There's, there is no give up. You are either steep up, steep down, super technical, bush ripping at you. Even once you get, you know, into places like Craig's Hut and then on some mountain biking trail coming back into Buller. Um, even the mountain biking trail, it's switched back, it's kind of groomed trail, but it, it's got this sort of slight up profile that at that point, you know, in, you're, you're probably at uh, 90-something K by that point. You know, it's just hard, you're hard, man. And you still, and you walk, you know, you go past probably 300 metres from the finishing line, but we push you another 4 or 5 K, you've got to go back up to the summit. Oh, um, to, that's the worst. To prove that you've been up to the summit and then back to the village. So it's just... Look, it's just unrelenting, and uh, and again, that's for the solos, but also for the two days and the three days who do it. So we open it up, obviously, to, I guess, trekkers, um, kind of like Oxfam gone wild, um, and that's that because we want we want to to get more people who are not necessarily trail runners. Um, you know, they can do the solo or the two day, and or use it as a multi day. But um, you get these trekkers in, but they've still got to move. You know, we we really drive home that they've got to keep moving. It's not a walk in the park. It's not you can leisurely three days out in the bush. It's not a bush walk. It's you've got to move it at pace. And um, and I, I guess the other thing is too, for people who are not so used to being in remote wilderness, um, a lot of the course is really remote and, and really in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, there's there's that section out the back there that there's 
there's no drive outs, there's no drive ins. It's, you know, we had one chopper out there a couple of years ago where, again, the only option was chopper or chopper or bust. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So I think, look, mentally, physically, it, it rips you to shreds and it's just, it's just, it's tough, as well as obviously just the, the stats, you know, that you say the ascent profile is pretty, you know, it's around about five, seven, five, five, eight of climbing over 100k. So it's, um, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Fantastic. Ash, what do you think of that? Matt, I'm, I'm looking at the course online. Signing up and, next year. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how my health is <laughs> first. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's, I'm certainly not against signing up for that, that's for sure. It, yeah, uh, you love an adventure. Yeah. So do I. But absolutely, yeah. I absolutely love an adventure, that's for sure. I, I want to know, um, when you come so close to the finish line, how many people have a breakdown before they have to go up Mount Buller again? Uh, oh, look, a few. Look, most people, by the time they get there, and we'll do whatever it takes to to help them achieve what they need to achieve without obviously putting any of our volunteers at risk. But um, by the stage they're in at Buller, you know, we've we've run people in from out of those mountain biking tracks. We've we've run some of the back runners in ourselves as race directors just to encourage them because they're going to give up, right? And we're like, no, no, you can do this. So, you know, the good thing is we, we can obviously, if people are in, in real strife, we can cut them there and that saves off 4K or something and we can take them in and they still get to run under the finishing line and still achieve an amazing, amazing thing. So... You know, everybody's safety and health is first and foremost, and, and we don't make, there's no worry with that. You know, we don't make them feel any negative feelings just because they do that. And, you know, funnily enough, this year uh, we had a weather incident that really we had to hold the course at one point, and even the solo runners at the very pointy end, um, you know, some really good trail runners had to be held at one aid station, and then eventually one of them was, or two of them were being held at that aid station just next to Buller, so we had to cut them across. Eventually we, we had a, a lightning storm come in, and the last thing you want to do is put runners on top of a, the highest point for um, hundreds <laughs> of kilometres in, a, in yeah. a pretty ferocious lightning storm. So, so, and because those lead runners, we'd cut them across um, without doing the last summit of Buller, that would have been their third summit on the, on the altered course, um, third Buller summit, uh, we just cut everybody in at that. And there was, admittedly, there were a lot of people who didn't know about that until they got to that last aid station and they were quite happy about it. But, you know, I would have thought, if it had been me, I would have been, no, nah, I want to go to the top of the summit for the third time, you know. But a lot of people were like, nah, stuff that, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we didn't have any complaints about um, slight shortening of the course this year. Yeah. Um, so no, I Chris... can't imagine you would after looking at your profile. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I just, um, I mean, that sounds like such a savage race and in terms of, you know, like it's it's a trail runner's dream slash nightmare. Um, so, which, um, but like tell us about some of your other races that you have in, you obviously, you organise a few other races. What else you got? Yeah, so through two trails, um, which was actually originally sort of started to do trail running tours more so than events. Um, but somehow I, I tripped over somewhere and started the Surf Coast Trail Marathon. So we have a marathon that runs from Torquay to Fairhaven down near where I live in. Uh, I live in a place called Anglesey, um, down on yep. the surf coast outside of Melbourne. So yeah, we have um, something along the surf coast walk, which is, uh, oh, look, I wouldn't say it's a brutal trail run. It goes along something called the surf coast walk. Um, so a known sort of trail. Um, there is a couple of beach sections that people scream at me and swear my name a little bit. Um, once <laughs> on that beach section, if it happens to be high tide and the sand soft. Um, but yeah, so Surf Coast Trail Marathon, which is in June, so it's a winter run um, uh, with a good after party. 
um, at the local pub. Then I've got Afterglow, which is actually, uh, it's actually on the same course, but and it's obviously only a half marathon. So it goes back the other way. It goes from a place called Point Addis, which is our halfway mark on the Surf Coast Trail Marathon, and it goes back into Torquay. Um, and it's a half marathon plus a couple other distances. And that one's all, you know, it's got a thematic of, of trail running unicorns and we have DJs at the end playing, you know, 80s music and saxophonists on course and fire twirlers and all that sort of stuff. And we light up, you know, the last sort of 8 or 10K we light up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun and frivolous and, and just a bit of a party, which is uh, good fun and it's a night run. Um, so I also have uh, Gold Rush. So Afterglow is in November. Gold Rush is December. So again, another half marathon, a couple of smaller distances as well. That one um, finishes at a winery. Um, so I don't know. With, with most of my events, you'll you'll find that there's a party involved somewhere. Because <laughs> um, for me, it's about there's a lot of pubs about, involved in your running. I there's noticed. always pubs, yeah, pubs, and look, just thematics. You know, for me, it's. Apart from, yeah, look, Oscars, you know, there's a little bit of, well, it's the toughest run and, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but for me, the other runs are about, you know, really welcoming people to the trail running community and saying, hey, it's not all hardcore, chest-beating stuff. You know, this is fun. This is about getting people out in nature and appreciating nature and realising that, you know, why, why the hell would you run on a road uh, when you've got this, this beautiful nature to play with? So... For me, it's about really trying to drag people onto the trail or not drag, encourage, inspire people onto the trail. Um, and to do that, you know, I also want to really encourage that community feeling. So at each of my events, you know, it is things that I've thought about, about, you know, music on course and parties and, Great. and fun thing and lots of different distances so that it, there's something for everybody. It's not just about what is the hardest course I can come up with. You know, that's that kind of stuff I leave for myself and I'll go and, and have a play on, on that sort of that sort of terrain myself. But for me, it's about really making it accessible for people um, without making it too easy either. But, but it's still, I want it to be a challenge because that's where we find ourselves. You know, that's where we learn things about ourselves in the challenge zone. But um, also, it's not about just trying to break people for the sake of breaking people. So... Um, yeah, so a Gold Rush again, a half, half globe, uh, sorry, half marathon finishes at a winery. It's in a place called Hepburn Springs in Dalesford, so a nice sort of spa territory in Victoria. Um, and yeah, Warburton Trail Fest, which is coming up actually in a couple of weeks. So that's um, Warburton Trail Fest sort of is, I guess, the current iteration of a, a few different fests that I've put on over the years. I, I used to put on Borbore Trail Fest, um, moved on from that to something called Tassie Trail Fest. Um, down in Tasmania, um, and then basically I was a bit of a mainlander, so they didn't. Some of some of the people down there didn't like that so much. So I ended up handing out <laughs> over to some locals and created basically the same format. And again, Warburton Trail Fest. It's it's about an hour east of uh, Melbourne, up in the in the hill country there. And it, again, it's it's more than anything, it's just a celebration of. I guess trails, you know, not just for runners, yeah. mountain bikers, walkers. It's about celebrating the fact that these trails take us into beautiful places, into the wilderness, and allow us to enjoy the wilderness. Um, and also just a celebration of, I guess, the mountain lifestyle that we all love. Um, so again, you know, as with everything, I try and make it fun and, and a bit of a coming together of a community. I found the first time I put on a festival, which is obviously over a couple of days, the difference is that if you can get people to these things for more, you know, overnight or for two or three days, they're way more invested in it. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, not, not financially or anything, they're, they're invested in terms of they put the rest of life down and they focus on being there and connecting with people. So, you know, you see people at the same, you know, because I put on seminars, I put on a film, um, we have some fun sort of events. 
Uh, again, we have live music, all that sort of stuff. And so you keep seeing the same people day after day and you create these connections um, and, you, and you create, uh, I guess, a pop-up community, really. Um, and I find that's just a really powerful thing. You've got all these people who have similar interests, similar dreams, um, you know, similar ethics, all that sort of stuff, and, and you find your tribe, really, and it's a bring, coming together of the tribe to celebrate what we all rally around, which is the wilderness and, and trails. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, Warby has everything from an ultra, you know, 50K ultra, down to, you know, 5K runs, 14K runs. We have a 9K night run that you run into a band at night and there's a bit of booze flying about. Um, we've got a new one this year called the Three Thong Thang. Now, this is unheard of in trail running. It's literally 100 metres, um, but people have to run it in three thongs. So one thong on the left foot, one thong on the right foot, and then you've got the other thong, which um, other people know as a G-string. Ah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> So, you know, that's a bit of that's a dash for cash, man. You win that, you've got 250 bucks in your pocket. So, um, so you start again, training ob- then. yeah, obviously it's a, about a bit of fun. And also, um, that's actually held in a place called Warburton where I grew up until I was 18. And, you know, I grew, grew up, it's on the Yarra River and I grew up liloing, you know, like old, big old tractor tires and stuff down the river. And many years ago, I, I raised um, a bunch of money for a Bhutanese refugee that we looked after at the time. And I did that in part by putting on a lilo derby. So when I came to Warby, uh, I needed something. We used to have a dash for cash in Tassie and up at, up at um, Borbor, and I was like, oh, I need a dash for cash, but I didn't have the, the right trail or experience for it. So it's, it's the only trail running event um, in the world, I think, that includes a lilo derby, um, which is you run one and a half K with your lilo upriver along the trail, and then you lilo one and a half K back down. And that's our final event of the of um the event of the whole event so and it's just fun you know people dress up they get all sorts of lilos and flotation devices um and they they lilo down this river and and come back in and it finishes where the finishing line for all the runs finishes and everyone cheers everyone in and it's it's just good fun so um yeah so you know it's a really good event for that and we've you know this year we've got uh, a couple of seminars we've got some anyone who's interested in plant-based endurance so we have um, Amanda Megason, uh, she's a trail runner, athlete and, and also uh, an expert in uh, plant-based nutrition and it's not about banging people over the head with ethics and morals and stuff, it's just if you're interested in, in how you can be a plant-based endurance athlete, here's some tips and tricks and some you know, learnings um, uh, that, that you can kind of take away from the seminar. So it's, it's much more about activating people but not, you know, not saying you have to be or, or, or whatever, it's just about inspiring people. Um, and then, yeah, another one, um, we have an athlete coming in, Deanna Blegg, who is probably Australia's best ever adventure racer. Um, but she's been through a lot of dramas in life, um, you know, from HIV to um, cancer to you know, a whole bunch of things uh, that she's, she's sort of come up against as personal challenges and she's endured all of them and, and come out the other end, you know, stronger. Um, and obviously, as Australia's best adventure racer, you know, she's just been through general endurance sort of um, experiences all across the world from racing in China and New Zealand and Australia and all over the world. And she's an amazing, amazing individual who has is a survivor. So she's going to talk about um, resilience um, and overcoming the challenge that life could throw at you, both within, obviously, endurance sports, but in life in general. Um, and how she sort of got her way through a lot of the things she's faced in her life and how she's transposed those learnings from her life challenges into, you know, endurance, endurance sports. So, um, 
so yeah, you know, again, just celebrating, you know, good people in in our world of uh, endurance and wilderness sports and and learning from them. So yeah, so that's a good event coming up as well. Um, and then yeah, look, uh, they're, they're the events, and then I have a bunch of tours that that we put on. No racing involved, more drinking, as you, you sort of alluded to. Pubs. Um, I'm actually sitting here at home at the moment with my uh, co owner of that particular tour in England. Um, Mark runs uh, Coast to Coast Pack Horse, which um, does all the luggage transfers from one side of England to the other. So he's also a fell runner and a trail runner, and he came and ran Oscars just, just this weekend. Um, and he and I guide people from one side of England to the other. Um, wow. And correct, we do happen to guide them from one pub to another and appreciate the, the real English ale. Uh, That's on the what way. You do. Um, You're just running from pub to pub. We, uh, well, it's exactly what we do. And, and mostly we stay in those pubs as well. And, um, and we get people to sort of really enjoy, uh, you know, I've got, I, I'm probably more a wine drinker here in Australia, but over there, I real English ales are my, are my deal. I really like them. And, and they're like wine. They've got lots of different flavors and the way they're made is interesting. And they're, they're usually very regional. Um, so, you know, again, a good localized sort of thematic to it. So yeah, we run and we enjoy scones and jam on the way. And, uh, Yorkshire Puds and, you know, cause we run, we run through the Lake District, the Yorkshire Dales and North York Moors and about 340k over 10 days. Um, and it's, you know, it's an amazing tour, uh, you know, without, without wanting just to try and sell it, which I do. But, um, it's, you know, I, I say to, to Mark every year, like, I don't care if I don't get any clients to come over and run with me. I'll, I'll still come over and run it just as my little bubble getaway every year because it's just such a, a beautiful run and, and it's also, as well as being pub to pub, it's village to village. So you're kind of meeting all these wonderful locals along the way who live along the route called the coast to coast. And um, it's a different kind of running. You get your wilderness in for sure, but you also come into all these little towns and, you know, quintessential year old England. And yeah, it's great. So yeah, so I put on those yeah. tours as well, um, Bhutan and um, Croatia. And I'm starting to look at, um, I think Bhutan and Croatia might fall away soon and we might look at some some other ones. I'm, I'm currently contemplating a, a volcano run across um, Bali, perhaps. Uh, a couple huh. other ones, but anyway. All good. Well, advent, you're the adventure man. And I, um, it just got me the way your sort of attitude and approach to running seems like it's very much obviously like about enjoying life and enjoying the party because it is one big party. And I love that. And it just reminds me of, um, I haven't done it for a number of years, but, um, the Hash House Harriers. I don't know if you've ever had any, um, yeah. you, have you ever done any hash yeah, runs run, in your run day? Yeah, I've them in the Cook Islands actually, and it was hilarious. <laughs> it, it is like, well, they say it's a run, a, a drinking club with a running problem. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, so, and so, um, I don't know, are you, are you very familiar with Hash House Harriers, Ashley? No, no, I'm not. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I won't, we, we might save for, to go into real detail, but, but it is a lot of fun. You meet somewhere and there's someone every week and someone sets a course, like a, they, the hair goes out and sets a course with, with lime or chalk or whatever. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I know that style of, of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, um, it's just a social thing and it's designed to mess up the, um, so if you're fast, you're going to get lost. You're like yeah. almost guaranteed. You know, so the far, the, the fast guys are constantly having to cut, run back to the, the main pack. And so yep. therefore it keeps everyone together. And then you quite often have, there's a lot of codes and then you get to the, um, back to the, the you finish, hash home, it's called. And you, um, 
you do lots of drinking and there's ceremonies and the tradition and um, you get end up with hash names. I'll I'll reveal my hash name. D- I'm sure you got a hash name, Chris. Surely. No, um, no. I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> so I did. I've done in my time. I've done just over a hundred hash runs. Um, oh, wow. So which is there's some guys that have done like in the same club that have done literally like thousands, and so like they've been doing it for thirty years. But um, my 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 hash name is Big Cigar, which is actually. A, a relatively do, do explain. Well, it's yeah, a relatively tame. This could go a, somewhere. There's, there's a some. You've been wearing short really... shorts again, haven't you? <laughs> Pretty much. No, okay. So one thing that they're not at at hash in hash house harriers, they're generally very politically incorrect. So, like, don't go there if you're easily offended. Yeah. And um, there, so there's lots of like sexual innuendo, lots of um, uh, pretty racist jokes, you know, to be quite honest. And sometimes it, it blows my hair back a bit. I'm a like, what are you doing? Yep. So because uh, my last name is Ferugia, I've got a bit of a um, – so I'm, I'm half Maltese. And so they see me as this ethnic – They I was in a country town and they saw me as this like real um, – what, what, how you want to say, for lack of a better term, uh, a wog. I can, I mean, it's, you know, they, and so they thought, they thought I must have had some connection with the mafia when they met me. <laughs> and, um, therefore, they're going to give me some mafia type name, which is quite, <laughs> highly offensive. Some of the, some of the names, I know there's a little bit of a tangent, but some of the names were so much more offensive. Um, there was a lady who was a midwife, and so her, her hash name was Afterbirth. So, oh, yes. so, so just that's, is um, oh. a lot of fun. I recommend you get amongst it at least once, Ash. I guarantee there's a hash chapter yeah. within a few kilometres out there everywhere. I, d- I actually did one in Bali around Ubud, and um, that, oh, and believe it or not, it was on my honeymoon with my wife, and um, <laughs> and so we, my wife, we we had the best time. I don't know if you spent much time in Bali, and you, you get you sort of you you can get a driver for the day, you know. And so we had our driver. And we said, oh, look, and they'll wait for you when you go and have lunch or dinner. And so, and he was really cool. And we said, oh, we're just going to go for a run with this group. And then um, we didn't know that when we got back, the level of drinking was so terrifying that I actually, um, they they basically just plied us with so much alcohol. And, you know, five hours later, we come out and our driver's still standing there waiting for us. Oh, and, wow. and my wife and I, barely walk and then um he, but he was fine with it he was just like yeah it's okay and then we we um we staggered we staggered to the he, he drove us back to our place and then um yeah it was it was pretty funny so i highly recommend getting everyone's got to do at least one hash house harriers run i tell you yeah it's um, and, and i believe and, that they're all over the world aren't they yeah and they're pretty wild and that actually really Doing Hash House Harriers got me right back into running because I had like a long break for many years. And um, that thing I loved about it was quite often there's no trail. Like you're jumping fences, you're, you're running through scrub, you're running, you know, like it's just where you go wherever. And I really loved that aspect of it. And yeah. then obviously uh, the drinking. But um, <laughs> yeah, sounds like something you'd be into. Yeah, um, no, it, sounds, it sounds like look, cyclocross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little. No, but look, you, you're definitely, you're definitely right. It's for me. I'm, 
you know, not as interested in winning uh, and being competitive. I mean, I always want to compete against myself, in, you know, when I'm in a particular event, but I seek out events less and even the events I seek out are more multi-day. So um, my, my thing, I guess, is definitely multi-day and that's because they are more adventure orientated. They do get you into more remote places. Um, they are a little bit more social, a little bit less competitive and that for me is, and, and that's kind of the genesis of, of Tour de Trails and the events that I do and the tours that I do. It's it's about more than the winning or being fast. It's just about the being in nature. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't got necessarily a straight runner's background. I've got more of just a, a trekker's background, really, an adventuring background. Yeah. So I used to edit a generalist adventure magazine. So I was into paddling and mountain biking and trekking and, you know, everything that was just outdoors for me. So I just also happened to, you know, love running as well. And so I then put the two, two together. I, you know, trail running gives me both the adventure and, and, um, and the running. And then multi-day is like that perfect you know, melting pot for me of, of, I guess, smaller crowds, more um, direct interaction with those you're with. So you create stronger connections. You're in, you know, remote places, things go wrong. So it's much more adventure orientated. And, and again, that's where the tours for me yeah. came from. I was like, let's do this in a non-competitive way and let's take people to really interesting places where, yeah, it's about the running, but it's about, it's not about being fast. And I get the, the the question all the time. I was on emails yesterday, but people ask me about coast to coast actually saying, well, how fast do I have to be? And I'm like, it's not about pace. You go as fast or as slow as you want. And Mark and I work our way around that. Um, and, you know, no one gets left behind. And, and they were thinking, oh, do I get left with a map and I've got to find my own way? Well, no, 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 no. We, you know, we stay with you and we work with you. And, and people are stopping for so many photos and to laugh and chat and interact with any of the locals. And the locals could be, yeah, Yorkshire farmers to in Bhutan, you know, yak herders in, in the Himalayas. Um, and for me, that's part of what it's about. If you're going to go to a foreign country and run through it, trail running gives you access to places you wouldn't usually run, even in a populated place like England. You're still going across farmers' paddocks and, and weird and wonderful, you know, back alleys and stuff that you just wouldn't go to otherwise. Um, yeah, I love that. And, and you know, in places like Bhutan, you're doing you know the snowman run where it's where it's the back of beyond, and it's 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 wow stuff takes your breath away for a few reasons, and not also because it's that altitude. But um, but you, it's about the culture, you know, and we make sure that you know on the pub to pub run, it's about that culture of real ale, and it's not about getting pissed or anything. It's it's just about actually appreciating the art of of uh, real English ale. I mean, we you know we have a few at night, but we don't go to bed drunk or anything. We we get up in the morning, we've got a marathon to run. So um, yeah, and. and Bhutan, you're learning about the culture, you're learning about, you know, well, what do these yak herders do and, um, you know, how do they live and you're meeting them and you're going to nunneries and you're learning about Buddhism and uh, you're going on Bhutanese hot stone bars and for me that's all part and parcel of it um, as well. So, I mean, it was actually, Bhutan is where Tour de Trails came about. I was there as a journalist for an adventure mag and doing just you know, a bit of mountain biking and a bit of trekking and whatnot. And they put me up in these beautiful posh lodges, like six-star amazing things. And um, I was sitting in a spa, like this beautiful traditional wooden spa with a, a little valued ring and a little a big hot stone would slide into the spa next to you to heat up the water in a traditional way and the oh. herbs floating around when you've got a cup of ginger and something tea and you're looking down out through this window down the, this Paro Valley in Bhutan and it's like... You couldn't dream it up, right? And a little knock on the door, your massage is ready, sir. And, and I was sitting there hurting from a day of mountain biking and I thought, and I, you know, I'd spent my life mainly doing, I guess, adventure journalism and mainly that's about, you know, how much can you hurt? How hardcore can you be? You know, what, what can you do to deprive yourself of everything? And here I am like <laughs> riding for an adventure mag, but kind of six star, you know, yeah, I'd gone out and hurt myself during the day, but you know, 
and I was old enough at that point. I think I was 36 or something like that. And I mean, I'm 45 now, so it was a little bit ago. But um, and I was like, I was starting to feel really guilty. I was like, man, this is you know, this is too posh. This is too too sublime, uh, you know. And then I thought, ah, oh, stuff it. I'm too old. I'm just I'm just going to enjoy this. Like, and that's where I kind of thought, you know what? You can can actually go and hurt yourself during the day and still enjoy a good bottle of red or enjoy a massage or enjoy. A, a sumptuous hotel or whatever in the mix and still do all the adventure stuff and that was kind of the basis for tour de trails was you could do both you know and, and i yeah. in my head anyway it's a market for both you know people like me who are getting to an age and going you know what i don't i want to eat nice food and drink a good bottle of red well glass sorry <coughs> glass of red um you know at the end of at the end of a run and then go and do it again the next day um and that's that's kind of why you know, tour to trails tours are not just, you know, going and running and that's all it's about. It's it's about everything else around that, where we are, the culture of where we are um, and trying to add those little, you know, nice, you know, I'll try and book nice accommodation. Um, and, and so people kind of really, really enjoy it. It is a running holiday, not not a, not a just something to go and hurt yourself. Yeah. Ash, did you have a question for Chris about the um, the journalism aspect of uh, what, he's, what he does? Uh, no. And the oh, I was just enjoying listening. I do yeah. have a question though. So Go when you're it. running across England from coast to coast, uh, this is a you know a very important question. Yeah. Is your beer cold or are you drinking that warm stuff? Well, I, I would argue that it's not. It's not warm. It's not as cold as I guess uh, you know an Aussie lager and all that sort of stuff. But the flavours are so much better. I got to I got to say like it's yeah it's not warm but it's it's actually just as refreshing and and it's also I reckon it, my argument is it's therapeutic so every year on on the coast to coast usually about midway a place called Richmond every year and my co-guide Mark is sitting here probably laughing at me now will attest to this um, I get injured like I just not badly but it's like a dagger through the front of my foot and you know last year I got to the it was last year year before anyway one of the years I uh, got to the point it was um, just after the halfway mark, and it happened the year before as well. And I got in, but the year before I had only a few clients, so it was I kind of I, did, I had the time to you know do all the treatment that night, and the next morning I got up and I was able to run. And then the next year I had more people, and they all wanted to go to the pub, so I didn't get in and you know massage it and rub it and put all the gels in and all sort of stuff. So I kind of didn't treat the injury. Um, and so the next day I got up and I was still limping pretty much. Luckily there was a, someone at the back again catering for all paces that I just sort of stayed with and walked. But I got into a pub for the lunch and I was like, pain was, I don't know, 8 out of 10. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to catch a cab here. So um, luckily, obviously, we've got another guide there and, and some of the people kind of were very confident. So they all trotted off and I was all depressed and I sat in the pub and I was like, yeah, this is so embarrassing. You know what, I'm, gonna do? I'm the guide and here I am injured. Yeah, um, so yeah. I, I'm going, to have a, I'm going to have a pint and I'm going to make it a dark pint. And so I had a pint and then I thought, oh, I'll get up. I'll just walk, you know, I was in a little village in the middle of nowhere. So wherever I called the cab from, didn't really matter. So I kind of wandered off and 500 metres later, I was like, oh, that, that pain's gone down to like a three. I'll, I'll just have a little trot. And then you know, the pain went down to like a one. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And that was a marathon day. So I finished off the marathon and I was fine. But I still attribute that to the fact that I had the pint at lunchtime. It's <laughs> It's totally therapeutic. <laughs> um, there you go. So, so yeah, what, no, we whatever drink, happened, uh, it worked. Yeah, it did. And yeah, look, we do drink the real English ale. Is, is not a lager. It's not the the bright, sparkly, really cold stuff. You can still get that, obviously, all the way, all the yeah, way along. Right. But um, 
Yeah, when in Rome, and and yeah, just look the flavours, and you start you listen to the publicans, and and you, you talk to them about how it's made, and it's you know, it's a live living sort of creature, very much like a, like a um like a wine, you know, it's constantly changing. You can drink you know it one day and then drink it the next, and it can taste different because it's living. It's not like these you know cultivated beers that are encapsulated in the bottle and that's it you know you that's why you get the same tasting beer every single time you open that bottle whereas real ales are very very different creatures and once um once you get it you know hooked on them you're on it's it's really good and it's and again it's a way to sort of i guess you know for instance i'm really into my stouts and my porters but there's not that many stouts and porters across there at that time of the year because for them that's you know that's a winter drink that's you know you drink the dark stuff seasonal yeah so it's it's so uh, again, part just learning things like that about you know what kind of flavours that they have and and how just like everywhere else you know their craft beer scene has really picked up and um, that it has included obviously you know all the pale ales and stuff like that but it's also included the real English ales and it used to be seen as an old man's drink you know the old bloke in the corner of the Yorkshire pub would be the only one drinking these real ales but um, again it's gone through a bit of a revival and people are starting to treat it for its flavours and its and its culture and its history and. So yeah, yep. So that's a long, long way of saying yep. We still drink the warm stuff. <laughs> Excellent. So now, now to a journalism question. Um, to take us through your journalism history. Oh, geez, that's a long one. Uh, um, give us, look, the, yeah, give I, us I, the one page review, not yeah, the, the one 50. page review. I guess. Look, I, I, um, I worked in, I actually worked in PR and marketing for a long time. I came out of a comms degree and. Um, and I hated my life, basically. Uh, you know, I was a suit and uh, I was probably on a, on a path to oblivion, to be honest, um, living in England at the time and, and playing up and, and not necessarily treating myself very well. Uh, and as it happened, myself, uh, my wife went, um, we, we took a year off and travelled around South America and I just, there was something in me that just sort of said, either you make a change now or you're going to come back from this trip you're going to just get any old job that you can, still in the same field, and you're going to be—you're not going to have sort of moved on at all, and you're going to be miserable. So, during that year in South America, this is pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, pre-blogs, even e-blogger didn't exist then, um, pre-WordPress, pre-all that sort of stuff. Um, I thought, well, I'll—I'll I'll start writing travel adventure stories and try and get—you know—try and get commissions as a journalist um, because I love writing and I love travel and adventure and all that sort of stuff. So. I actually started my own website called thetravelrag.com um, and I got the web guy who worked at the corporate I was at at the time, got him to sort of build me this rudimentary website that I could get in the back end and update. And so the idea was I'll put my stories up there and I can point editors that I'm pitching at to you know, that and it'll look a little bit better than me just sending them an email. Um, but then I also thought, well, there's got to be other people like me who want to be writers who, you know, who aren't getting anywhere pitching to the, all the big editors who still are probably worth having a voice and having somewhere to have their, their stories seen and read. So that's why I started that up. And, and true enough, I got all these sort of um, submissions from people all around the world. And, and a lot of them were like not your traditional travel story. You know, they were, they were about going and doing ayahuasca in, in South America or, you know, getting into trouble in Africa or, or it was a poem or it was something that's just not going to get published anywhere. And I was really proud of the fact that, that, you know, we still put out good writing and good stories just in a different format that, that in a commercial sense wouldn't get airplay. Um, so yeah, that, that was, I guess, the start of my, my journey. When I did my degree, I initially wanted to be a journalist. I just fell into the other side of things because I just wanted to travel and I just wanted to get work. So I took whatever I could get and I got stuck. Um, 
And so, yeah, did that, uh, came back and, and that, true enough, did then allow me to get a look into jobs um, editing magazines. And I worked for a, a custom publisher and I edited like a, a Golf Links magazine, uh, an automotive magazine. Um, even back in my PR days, I was doing a lot of video production and a lot of, uh, I guess, newspaper and magazine work. So it was still my field, but it was it was more concentrated on the on the creation of of content. Um, so I did that, and that got me a job as an editor for a, a magazine that's still around, actually called Get Lost, which is kind of like a, a flash packer magazine. Um, you can still find that on the, on the stands, and I was the launch editor for that for a couple of years. Um, went overseas and worked for back to London and worked for a, a, a charity actually called the Ramblers Association and worked as an editor for a couple of years doing their walking magazine. Um, and that was a great gig, you know, the Ramblers were all about uh, fighting for access to trails. You know, again, trails has been a central thing in my life. Um, they fought for access to trails all around England and, and Wales and Scotland and um, I got to produce their magazine, which went out to like 140,000 members. So it was, you know, good readership. Wow. And I, I got to assign myself all the best gigs because it was my magazine to, you know, assign out stories to, to, uh, um, journalists. And so, you know, I'd come up with weird and wonderful ideas and go and, go and write about them, you know, sending myself up. I was talking this morning with the guys here about going to um, Cyprus and, um, yeah, I came up with the idea of sort of, you know, uh, ales and trails sort of sort of style of thing where I found some you know famous chefs at the time were opening up pubs in rural England and so I tried to link them kind of together so I'd get the famous you know pub owner a chef whatever and say well let's look at all the walks around your pub that end up at your pub so really that was just about me going getting out out, out from behind the desk going walking and then finishing up at a pub and you know, becoming mates with whatever celebrity chef it was and getting pissed, really. <laughs> um, but yeah. as, as with any good uh, journal, you can make a story out of anything. So um, you'd make a story out of it. And, and yeah, that was, that was a really good time, actually, just, just exploring the trails all around England. Um, and again, editing magazines. I, was, I guess I grew up in an era where I remember the excitement of going down to the newsagent. And I think at the time I was, you know, as a kid getting Mad Magazine and um, take off. I was into planes and wanted to be a pilot and all that sort of stuff. So I remember that that heartbeat of going into a newsagent and getting the, a fresh copy of a magazine. And I know that's a dying thing now, but um, I'm definitely, I guess, yeah, a, a mag hag. I love the idea and the smell of a, a fresh magazine. So, so yeah, I kind of stuck with the magazines after England um, came back and and again, um, you know, worked in in publishing, um, editing magazines. Eventually got a gig on a magazine called Outer Edge, which was the, the adventure magazine I mentioned before, and that was mountain biking, trail running, mountaineering, you know, you name it, it was in there if it was outdoors and adventurous. And, and that was great. We got to meet and interview lots of, you know, the world's most famous adventurers and, and, and learn from those guys and as well as do fun things ourselves. So, um, you know, if we were going to interview a climber, we'd go climbing. If we were going to interview a kayaker, we'd go kayaking and, and make a mission of it. Um, so I kind of got, you know... It was a dream job for me because I got paid to be in magazines, which I loved, and I got paid to then go and create content around adventure and the wilderness and the outdoors, which I love. So um, that was that was a dream gig, and um, yeah. And then off the back of that, I actually ended up uh, I was retrenched on that. Um, we, we kind of brought that magazine up to I guess a viable level, and then we well I got culled and, and replaced by students basically. So. Um, from that, I was just about to actually present to the, the publisher of the time the idea for the trail running, this, this trail running thing was about to kick off and 
in Australia at least, and um, I, I had this idea for a magazine. You know, it needs a community needs a magazine to focus stories about the people in that community, and um, I got I got cut. And at that, by that stage, um, unlike when I launched Travel Rag, um, you know, blogs had come along, Facebook had come along. There was the ability for me to be able to design up something basic myself, put it up as a PDF, and and put it onto a blog. So that's how Trail Run Mag started. Um, it was me just doing it late at night. Um, and then that pretty much continued for the next nine years, doing it out of a shed, um, yeah. and and creating it, and yeah, and then look at you know it was a free online magazine for a while out of necessity because I had no money, I had you know nothing to run it off. I still had to go and pay the bills with with other jobs, um, which ended up being for an event company, which is how I sort of learnt the event trade. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, kept publishing Chara Mag, and then there was a point somewhere along there, edition 22, I think, was our first. Um, I did a couple of sort of collector's editions, um, you know, got in a possible sort of programs where we put out a couple of best of um, the previous ed- uh, online editions, and then um, a magazine over in New Zealand, um, which was then called Kiwi Trail Runner, launched, and they went straight onto stands, and so I was like, either I'd be, and then they had ex- plans to expand into Australia, and I was like, well, Either I lay down and die, or I or I take the fight up and I go to print as well. And I thought, stuff it, you know, <laughs> let's let's give it one more fight. And and we went to print as of edition 22. Um, and and yeah, look, I'm um, I've only just recently relinquished the uh, the editorship of the mag. So I sold um, or passed on the the magazine uh, probably three or four editions ago to another publisher because I I was basically drowning under the weight of of again, it not it's in a, it's a passion project. So um, to do all the admin behind it and the marketing and the database management and all that sort of stuff that that goes on behind a magazine was just you know I was I was drowning. So it's I needed huge, to pass yeah. the, I guess the business side of it across to someone. So another publisher took it on. I just stayed on as editor because and did what I love and what I'm you know what my calling is in terms of the content. Um, he then sold it to the the current owners um, again, pretty much for the same reasons. I think you know he just. He needed a bigger operation to be able to make make a go of it. So the new publishers have now got it as of the the next edition, um, and the edition just out actually. Um, and you know the new editor there. So I, yeah, I just I was kind of nine years. I I created the thing. I I put my heart and soul into it. Um, and now it was just sort of time for I guess fresh eyes, um, fresh blood to to give it a new lease of life and. And I needed to kind of um, maybe pull back, and, and I wanted to do some of my own expedition adventures in trail running, and and, and refocus on tour de trails because again, I you know I kind of probably need to pay a bit more attention to that. I'm no good at the marketing side of stuff, so um, you know to make a go of it and pay the bills. Um, decided it's time for the next project. So you know, trail run mag hopefully will still grow and flourish and be that that central port of call. But I'm really proud of just I guess the fact that it, it wasn't a runner's world. It, it was about people you know and it wasn't about winners and grinners it was about people mid and backpackers people like you and me and ash and um you know that that just normal people that we can all relate to right you know i i always go back to um at one stage i did a video series on a guy um and he was like 130 something kilograms he had a gambling problem and a few other things going on you know health issues and he decided to sign up to a trail running series because it was a series so that he couldn't just go and do one run and then fall off the wagon again. It kept him honest, I think. And so I followed him with a video and he was like, why would you want to tell my story? And I'm like, because 
you know, you're the guy that will inspire more people than Killian. You know, we watch Killian run up Absolutely. Mount Kilimanjaro in seven and a half hours and we go, well, I can't do that. I'll just sit here on the couch still then because that's so far away from my, you know, sense of reality that it doesn't matter. Whereas yeah. someone like this guy, you're like, well, if he's out there doing it, then I can get out there and do it. So this guy, Absolutely. I believe, Absolutely. is more yeah. empowering um, than anybody else. And, you know, Ash, what you're going through at the moment, um, you know, I believe your story and, and people like you and, and people like Deanna Blegg, who's coming to Warby, as I was mentioning, you know, people who are they're just fighting life battles like everybody else, but they're out there still having a crack. And that, to me, is way more empowering than the famous fast runners who we just can't relate to, really. I mean, we appreciate them and we think they're great and we know they work hard to be where they're at. But by the same token, it's really hard to ever put ourselves in their place. Um, whereas people who, you know, just like you and me and battling whatever demons they're battling to, to get out there on the trail and, and then love it as much as we do and have their own interesting stories, then for me that's way more interesting and way more empowering for the reader. Um, so I'm yeah. kind of proud yeah. to be focused on that kind of content for Trail Run Mag um, and try to keep it as real as possible, not fluffy, bubbly, bitsy, bobsy, you know, just trying to sell stuff. It was about stories that we could all relate to. Um, so, yeah. So that's uh, that's the, the probably a quite a slightly longer version of of the journalism and and yeah you know there's been obviously you know I freelanced in between that and I've done a little bit of stuff for Lonely Planet and whatnot but um, really for me it's it's about telling good stories that are about real people that are relatable whether it's in trail running journalism or any other kind of journalism um, it, you know it's about trying to tell stories that matter and can change a perception or inspire or or make a difference to the reader and especially these days where you know, we're so used to videos and, and short snippets and going down the rabbit warren of, of social media where we just click, 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 that if, if someone's going to give you their attention span to, you know, even listen to me rabbiting on now or, or read a, a full feature, then you want to give them something that they come away from and, and something sticks with them. And, and yeah. I think that in today's media, there's so much trash and so much bubble gum that the way to get cut through is say something that has meaning and say something that matters. And, but you've got you to make that conscious decision to do that because I think a lot of media producers don't. You know, it is a business and it's about selling something or getting ads or whatever, whereas I think, you know what, it's, you've got to give people connection and that's what we were looking for, right? You know, you're talking about Oscars before. It's like, you know, we feel more yeah. and more disconnected because of the fragmentation of everything that's hitting our eyes and... And, and, and everything that's being sold to us and e-blast and the whole kit and caboodle, it's just mind-boggling. So to cut through that with something that actually resonates with people and, and, and holds meaning for them, um, I think is, is a tricky thing but a really important thing and a really valuable thing just, just to re-establish a sense of connection between, you know, to be a bit sappy about it, between human beings. Absolutely. I think that's, um, yeah, that's the heart of, what it is about being people, you know, being authentic and, and you're covering authentic stories. And yeah, you, like you say, what Ash is going through is, is monumentally more impressive than, I mean, you know, the way he's dealing with it is monumentally more impressive than someone like Killian, who I admire. And, and, um, but I, you know, like he's, it's so far beyond my understanding to be able to sprint up Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, like, or, or, or double climb Everest two times in a week. Exactly, you know, and <laughs> and trying to fit it and like you know these a lot of the elite runners. I'm always I always say you know like 
they've got the luxury of time. You know, they can train and rest and train and rest. And yeah. they're, that's their main focus. Whereas, you know, Ashley still has a, a family that he, he's taken care of. And, you know, I, I've got children. You've probably got other responsibilities outside of running and, and journalism. Like, I'm always more impressed with um, people who, yeah, have to balance life. You know, just just to get it and getting out the door to go for a run, yeah, it gets harder and harder when you've got all these other responsibilities. Yeah, and that's it. And most of us, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I've got two daughters, and and most of us mm. are dealing with a life where there's ups and downs. And obviously, you know, for Ash's mm. ups and downs are way more. But you know, that's what I love about you know seeing Ash's stuff online. You know, he's mm. he's blatantly honest when he's had a shit day. He's had a shit day, and 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 I think mm. when. When that happens, that matters as much as, as you know, Ash, if you've had a good day and you've gone out and burnt the trail and it's been awesome, that's that's nearly in some ways great and inspiring and, and we're happy for you. But when you, you put online, you know, this has been a shit day, I've gone and had treatment, whatever, um, that's as inspirational or more inspirational because there you are putting it out there and you're not putting it out there to say, oh, look at me, you know, poor me. You're putting it out there to say, hey, this is real, this is real life. Um, yeah. and, and I'm still fighting the battle. You can fight the battle too, and other people's battles will be very different to Ash's. Um, but it's all not, relative, right? It's not manicured. Ash doesn't manicure his, uh, and, you know, curate his Instagram to look like hashtag living my best life kind of bullshit, <laughs> you know? You no, know, like, no, I, which, I just put down what's happened that day. It's very yeah, natural. Yeah, and, but, uh, and, it's, and it's great. And, you know, look, without bum wind up your ass, Ash, it's, you know, one of my... One of my biggest, I guess, regrets of, of now leaving, you know, Trail Run Mag is that I didn't get to cover your story in particular and I had a few people who wanted to write your story up and I was, I was holding off because I just need, I wanted to find the time as we spoke about to get up there and run with you and go on an adventure with you and, and look, you know, hopefully I'm I still can. I'm still holding and, and, you to going up to Carnarvon and doing the 80k. Mate, definitely. Let's, let's do it. Like I'm, I'm killing to do that. And, you know, whether there's a story in it or not, I, I just want to come for a run with you because again, you know, again, I find you inspirational and, and I look at the battles I, I, you know, have in life and I'm probably guilty of, you know, my personal Instagram is probably guilty of, of that. You know, there's Chris running in a mountain again. There's Chris running in a mountain again. And it's, and it's totally mm. manicured. There's, yeah, there's a whole bunch, obviously, when I'm having shit days, which, you know, we all do and I have them as often as anybody else. And yeah. I don't, I don't. On, on my Instagram and, and it's probably not a, not a great thing to be honest um, I'm doing I'm falling into that trap of everybody else going yeah well I'm you know, marketing I want to go and do expeditions I'd like to get some sponsors blah 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 so let's keep it all cool and cruisy um, but I'm, I'm in that same trap as everybody else right it's, it's yeah. and, and also I don't know what social media either but um, but yeah, you know, again, that's one of my regrets is yeah you know Ash we will still go on that run and, and I'm do sorry it. that uh, I quite um, before I left Trail Run Mag, but I know that we've spoken to the new editor and, and there will definitely be a story on you in it. Um, so that'll still get out there, but uh, hopefully yeah, you and I will still go for a run and, and make our own story, brother. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I, look, I look at that map of Carnarvon quite often and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, that, first, that first 3K is going to hurt, though. Yeah, it'll be good. But that's right. We'll we'll get through it, mate. And uh, hopefully, it will hurt us, and then we'll laugh about it somewhere along the line, and we'll trip over, that's and we'll exactly get back right. up, and it'll be fine, and we'll have some good stories to tell at the end. Wonderful. Look, Chris, we um uh, the, the t- time has flown by, and we will have to end uh, end the podcast um, there, as we've um. We, I, I could talk all day about trail running because I love it and just about running in general. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about your, um, 
your your stories. Is there um, speaking of manicured and Instagram and Facebook and social media, is there a place where people can uh, can follow you? Like what where, what are your handles and names? Yeah, and... so so I guess Inst- Instagram, the manicured one, which I'll try and make less manicured, um, <laughs> is one is, is one life wild. So one underscore life underscore wild. Um, yeah. yeah, one life wild is is that, and yeah, that's where I'll push all my. You know, again, I hope to go and do a, you know a bunch of expedition runs and and stuff, and there's, there'll be a little bit of tour to trail stuff, and then so yeah, one life wild and um, is my personal one, and then obviously tour to trails. So at tour to trails, um, both on uh, that one's on Facebook and Instagram. Um, yeah, look, they're, they're the main handles. Um, there's a Excellent. bunch of other ones to do with each specific event, but you'll find some of that through Tour de Trails anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, jump on and, yeah, please please get on and uh, give us a like and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff that you're supposed to say. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, look, we're, that's it. We're all sharing our stuff. And, and, look, don't get me wrong, I do the same thing. I manicure the crap out of things that I share <laughs> sometimes. And But, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I, don't, I probably don't share enough you know, like, so especially someone who is, you know, doing, producing a podcast and, and all that, but, um, I probably should share, I should post more, but I don't know. It's, um, it is I an unusual is phenomenon. What Ash is doing is amazing, you know, like, and yeah, yeah. I think way more inspirational than, than most out there because it's, this is it, right? This is, this is real life and, and it is real life for Ash, obviously. It's, it's, um, something that, that Ash looks at every day and, and I think that's, that's why it's so powerful. He reminds us to look at each day and, you know, never don't take it for granted and, and take it exactly. on and try and squeeze the most out of it, which is why I love what Ash is doing. Yeah, I think, Good uh, look, at the end of the day, that's the key message that I'd like to put out there is don't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow might not come. Go do, head towards your goals today. Whatever those goals are, whether that's running or not, that's irrelevant. Um, you, you just, you need to do the right stuff today. And think, of, it's one of those things where, to be quite honest, I start I, when I got sick. I stopped thinking long term. I've always been a long term thinker, but um, I started thinking more short term. But it's amazing. Um, you still have those goals that need a bit of longer term thinking. Yeah. It means that you need to do the stuff today for the stuff that you really want to count later, and then it'll all come together. Um, and as I always say to those guys that I um, you know help out a bit with running, etc. Run as hard as you can today, but leave just enough in the tank to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's funny, I was having a discussion with, with Julie, Mark's wife here, and this morning, and, and you know, I've got on my arm, I've got tattooed one life in, in Sanskrit because I lived in Nepal for a while and did some teaching there. And, you know, I used to write one life on, on the um, classroom door top in, in chalk and all the kids laugh at me because they're Bhutanese and Hindu, right? So they're like, they believe in many yeah. lives. <laughs> but I was saying, yeah. well, it doesn't matter. You've got a thousand lives in one. It's one life. The idea, you know, the message is live it. And, you know, it was interesting. And we were talking about it this morning and, and Julie was like, yeah, it's, it's interesting also just the perspective because really it, it's, it's not so much about you've got one life, live it. It's got, you've got, you've got one death and you, yeah. and, and therefore live every day. Like, you know, really live it. And I, it was like, wow, she just, I've got this tattoo on my arm, this one life, and, and she just flipped it on its head, but it means the same thing, right? It means, you know, that's you know, exactly take, right. Take every day and, and live the hell out of it as much as you can. And, and yeah, totally agree. You need, you need a little bit, you know, that future thinking is still about holding on, right? I, one of my stories in Trail Run Maggie I Love was a guy who, who had cancer and, and he was going in for, um, for an operation that, that could have been the end of it. And so what he specifically did before that was he entered a, an event, a trail running event called the GOAT over in New Zealand. And his idea was, he said, he didn't even know if he was going to be there for it. But you know what? If he'd entered, he'd made a commitment. 
And so there was something for him to hold on to to get him through to the other side. And true enough, he got through the other side and he ran that event still in the middle of treatment. And, and the doctor said, don't you dare. And he just went and did it anyway. <laughs> Um, you know, and you know, there's, that was, it. been... and it's, it's a story that still makes me cry, right? Like his story. And there's another yeah. story in that same edition that uh, about a guy who, who lost someone in his life and went around in their honor and stuff. And it's just, they just make you cry. But again, you know, inspirational stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> you laugh Ashley, because you've been told that by your doctor, haven't you? I'm, oh, oh, I'm sure I, you have. I think, a, I think a few times. Yeah. <laughs> D- don't run. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> nah, oh, it's more, it was more like. You don't run beyond 30Ks. I think you'll suffer organ failure. Um, all right. I'll see what 30Ks feels like a few times. And then yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Classic. So, yes. Yeah. No, and I bet you it felt like living. Oh, it was, it was awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. There's, there's nothing quite like going, oh, I wonder what will happen if you <laughs> a little bit further. Yeah. Just exploring, mate. Yeah. You're exploring your limits, and I love it. That's ex- it's exactly right. Yeah, put a line in the sand and see if you can make it past the mark. Yeah. yeah. Right. Excellent. Well, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate, and um, we won't take up any more of your time. Uh, well, um, yeah. For me. I, I feel really chuffed and honoured that uh, you'd even ask me, so thank you. Oh, that's oh, lovely. thank you. It's great to have you on. Yeah, All good I'm guys. Sure we'll, don't be a stranger, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll touch base again. Um, soon. Yeah, all good. All right, guys. Thanks for that. Really, really appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Okay. See, See you, mate. Out.